Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I'm your host. And today, I want to talk about what might be the most important obstacle or impediment to your ability to attract lasting love. Right? That's the point of this whole podcast, is to give you pointers towards and ideas to consider that may be sabotaging you or hindering your ability to attract a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. And at the top of the list, and if it's not at the top, it's very close, is this idea of a relationship persona. Now, before I get into defining what that is, I want to ask you if you're willing to be really honest with yourself. You don't need to be honest with anybody else about this or with me. It's just kind of, are you willing to look behind the curtain of your own life? Are you willing to kind of look inside, maybe to feel into or face some things that you would rather not look at or feel, right? So I'm really asking if you're willing to be really raw and real with yourself. Because if you are, you're going to be able to discover something about yourself. You're going to have an aha moment about who you are and why your love life perhaps has not gone the way you would like it to. Okay? So that's it right there. I'm asking before we get even into the discussion of relationship personas, because I'm going to give you nine of the most common. Most likely you've got one of these, like written all over you. Okay? Before we get into that, there's no way that this conversation can be meaningful for you unless you're really willing to be honest about your experience as a human being. And so what I want to do here in the beginning is I want to lead the way, right? If I'm going to ask you to be honest and raw and real about who you are and what your experience deep down inside in places that you don't really want to look very often or talk about, I need to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to know what my experience is like. You know, what's it like to be Roy? Okay? So let me let me lead the way. And the best way I know how to do that is to read a couple of paragraphs from my newest book, Relationship Bootcamp. Okay, so I'm going to quote the opening of chapter five in my book. And I cannot tell you how much what you're going to hear is the absolute truth of my experience. I am not writing 
fiction. I am not writing to say something to, you know, sound good or to sound spiritual or to sound in any way like I'm trying to convince the reader about something. No, I'm just I'm just giving you a window into what it's like to be me. So here's what I say in the opening of chapter 5. Quote, I am scared. That's sort of a weird thing to say or write, but it's nevertheless true. And I'm not necessarily scared of any particular situation or possibility, though at times I am. No, the kind of fear I'm talking about is more structural in nature than circumstantial. It's an undefined sense of being separate, a background feeling of being fundamentally alone and left to fend for myself. That's how life often feels to me, and it's felt that way for as long as I can remember. However, unless you're extremely intuitive and perceptive, you wouldn't see it by looking at me. I'm pretty good at hiding it, even from myself. But it's there. Like the background hum of a refrigerator, it's always there. And because I feel separate and alone, I live with a subtle sense of threat. It's a vague feeling of being vulnerable. I have to protect myself. I have to make my own way, and I have to figure out how to get my needs met. That's the stage on which my life plays out. Unquote. That is not an exaggeration. That is the God's honest truth of what it's like to be me. And I believe the more personal, the more universal. What I mean by that is the more personal something is to me, there's a really good chance that that's a universal feeling among people. Can you relate to that? I believe it's there. If you look deep down inside, that there's a subtle feeling of being separate, of being left to fend for yourself, of being alone, a sense of feeling kind of a vague threat that you have to take care of yourself. You have to figure out how to get your needs met. Can you relate to that? If you can, that is such an important issue for your love life and for your ability to attract lasting love. And that's because that kind of existential fear, that structural fear, not, like I said, it's not circumstantial, like you're afraid of a situation or something that might happen. You might lose your job or, you know, you might never meet someone special. I don't mean, I mean, it's like a deeper foundational kind of fear of being separate, of feeling alone and left to fend for yourself. That fear needs and must be dealt with. When there's that background feeling of threat, 
it's sort of like the purpose of your life, whether you know it or not, is to overcome that or deal with that or be able in some way to survive, in some way to find security, to get the love you need. Right? You're, it's like the purpose of your life will then be, if I feel separate, how do I feel connected? Because being separate feels scary. If I feel alone and, and tend to, I need to fend for myself, where can I get a sense of belonging to where I feel safe? How can I feel safe? Do you get that? That if you have that kind of fear, a lot of your life is going to be about dealing with that fear. Here's where a relationship persona comes in. Because we feel alone, isolated, separate, vulnerable, we desperately want to connect with another person in relationship because we believe that finding that love, finding that connection, finding that relationship will go a long way to alleviating that sense of being alone and separate and having to fend for yourself. Does that make sense? Now, there's a lot of other things we do in life to deal with this fear. But one of the major things that we do with this kind of fundamental, structural fear of being separate and alone is we seek relationship. In some other podcasts, I've, I think there was one podcast I, I, I titled The Real Reason We Want Relationships. And, and I'm sort of getting at, yeah, there's a lot of surface reasons we want relationships, you know, companionship and, you know, just um, a good sex life, someone to enjoy life with and so forth. But then there's the real reason. That's what I'm getting at here. The real reason that we want relationship, and it's not a bad thing at all. It's quite, this is quite understandable. But the real reason we want a relationship is because we feel like a separate self. We feel like we are disconnected, that we are alone and we need to fend for ourselves. And therefore, I need to hook up. I need to belong. I need connection. I need to be one with. That's the underlying drive for our desire to seek a relationship. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it does sometimes lead to some trouble, as I've spoke to many times on, on this podcast. But it's just true. Right, wrong, good, or bad, we feel alone, and our mind says the way to fix that is to find a partner, someone you can trust and feel safe with. And, you know, there's safety in numbers, you know. So, but here's the thing because we are so afraid, and we so desperately want a relationship because of that fear. We have a tendency to try to figure out who do I need to be in order to get the relationship 
that I need so that I don't feel separate and alone. There's this voice in your head, whether you know it or not, that's always wondering, well, since I'm scared and I need a relationship to feel, you know, to not feel so separate and alone, what kind of person do I need to be? What qualities do I need to have? Who do I need to become to be desirable to someone, to be wanted by someone so that I can get into a relationship? And right there is the birth of a relationship persona. A persona is a false way of being in the world. And when I say false, I mean it's just not authentic to who you are. It's the person that you think you need to be in order to get a relationship so you can feel safe and secure and loved. Now, very early in our lives, this forming of a relationship persona happens. And not to go into too much child psychology, but you know, when a, when a baby is sort of being created in the womb of the mother, there is connection there, right? There, there is absolute oneness. There's no separation. But then this little baby sort of gets born into the world and it begins to feel itself as a separate thing that has needs. It, it can't meet its own needs. Right? So feel the, the difference from being inside the womb of your mother to now laying in a crib at night all by yourself. Feel the fear that would come up as this little baby realizes that it's separate, that it's sort of on its own, and it's certainly dependent on other people to take care of it. So do you, you get a sense that there's going to be sort of an underlying fear that happens as a little baby starts to grow up and have a sense of itself and says, oh, this is me, that's mom. This is me, that's dad. I'm, I'm separate from them. There's going to be a feeling of vulnerability. Even if you have great parents, there's still going to be a feeling of, I'm separate. And then the older you get, you begin to even feel more deeply that you need to take care of yourself, that you're, you know. So along the line there, early in your childhood, because you want to be so close to your parents and the people around you, you sort of figure out what kind of little boy or little girl do I need to be in order to feel connected, to feel safe, to feel loved and not feel ignored or dismissed or alone or rejected in some way. These kinds of dynamics happen in every family, no matter how great your parents are. You grow up and you, you just instinctively begin to recognize, who do I need to be to fit in, to belong, to get friends? to be liked, to be loved, to feel safe. And so there's a a sort of a disconnection from your, 
your most authentic way of being, that is sort of discarded or put into the background and it's replaced by who you think you need to be in order to feel, to secure that so that you don't feel separate and alone and left to fend for yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. This is child psychology 101. I mean, ask any psychologist and they're going to tell you maybe in different words, but that's the essence of what happens. So a relationship persona is this person that we feel we need to be in order to feel secure or survive a situation or to be successful at something. We become somebody. That's a relationship persona. Now, the whole thing is based upon fear. Do you get that? The whole thing is built on fear. And it's not your authentic self. It's a fear-derived way of being in the world. And whenever you're operating by fear, you're coming from the lowest parts of you. And it's going to end up leading to drama and so forth. Because it's one thing to become a certain little boy or girl when you're four, five, six years old to feel secure in your family or to survive some sort of issue in your childhood or to be successful at getting attention um, and love and so forth. That's one thing. Very often the persona that you take on as a little person is brilliant. It, it, it really is. You're, you're brilliant at learning to survive in your environment, right? But it really is not your authentic self. But yet you don't know that this is happening. You're not, when you're five years old, there's not a voice in your head that says, listen, I need to uh, bury all of my emotions and my feelings because when I express them, I feel rejected by my father. My father is not able to handle my feelings and my emotions and my sadness and my anger. And I really want to be close to my daddy So I figure out that I need to be a little girl who blocks all of that, sort of hides all the feelings. Because when I when I'm happy and and I'm not sad or or angry, daddy's available to me. Daddy likes me. Daddy wants me to be around. But when I'm more of my emotional self, I get dismissed or ignored or maybe even punished. You don't know when you're five years old that you're doing that. You don't have the emotional maturity to say, oh, well, my dad has got some real issues. You know, my dad doesn't have the ability and the presence to handle feminine feelings. You don't, you don't know it. You're just wanting to be close to your dad. You're wanting to be loved. You want to feel safe. So you, you bury that part of yourself. But then you're 40 or you're 50 and you find that you don't have access to your emotions and you show up as kind of a a robotic person, sort of a, not a cold person, but a person that people don't feel your heart. They don't, they don't feel your depth. Why? Well, because you're still stuck in the persona. There's still this underlying belief that the way I get attention and affection 
especially from partners, is if I bury my feelings. And so now you're living in the persona, but you don't even know it's a persona. You just think it's who you are. Oh, I'm just not a very emotional person. Um, I'm just very controlled and sort of stoic and, um, you know, um, I don't get thrown about too much. I'm very balanced. I'm very grounded. These are all ways that we can sort of try to justify a persona that we're in. But when you're in that persona, do you see how it's going to sabotage your relationship? Because you're not showing up authentically. You're trying to be a man or a woman that you think you need to be based upon your childhood. This is who I need to be to survive in the world or to be successful in the world or to feel secure. So a relationship persona is a false way of being that comes from fear and it keeps you from that healthy, authentic connection because you're not living from your authentic self. You're living from your fearful self. Okay? So identifying this persona and then releasing it is usually the number one issue a person needs to do if they want to attract lasting love. They want to attract a healthy, sustainable relationship. Knowing your relationship persona and doing the work to find your more authentic, fearless way of being in the world is what needs to happen to connect with someone in a way that that is sustainable and that is not fear-based and is authentic and healthy. Does that make sense? So if nothing else that you get from this podcast, I'm hoping that you get, I need to discover my false self because under that is my real self. And it's my real self that is going to allow me to connect with someone in a meaningful and lasting way. Because this relationship persona is the root of a lot of drama. Now, in some other places in my podcast here, I have described my own relationship persona. In my books, I kind of call them Casanova. Sometimes I use the word Roy the Rescuer because Casanova needs a little explanation. But the idea was that from my childhood, I learned that the way you get the attention and affection from a woman, first my mother, was to forget myself, to to adopt the agenda of the woman and make my life be about taking care of hers. So in my family, the more I did what mommy wanted me to do, the more I was a good boy, the more... I was, quote, unselfish and wasn't thinking about myself. The more that I was like, what, is, what does mommy want me to be and do? And what can I do to make mommy happy? When I did that, I felt more warmth from her. I felt more connection from her. When I sort of did my own thing, had my own wants, my own needs, my own opinions, my own desires, I felt distance even felt kind of a subtle sense of judgment or anger. 
If mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. So I grew up in an environment where make mommy happy. When she's happy, then I felt some connection. And what little boy does not want to feel connection to his mother? So I took on a relationship persona of Casanova, right? Casanova is the guy that would, you know, uh, in, in, I think it was 16th or 17th century. It was this guy that was always there to light some girl's cigarette, right? He would take his jacket off and lay it over a puddle so she wouldn't get her feet wet, right? So Casanova, in my mind, the way I use it, is this guy who's devoted to meeting the needs of a woman and, and it's not about him and he's this overly, very overly unselfish person and his agenda is in life is to take care of a woman and make her happy and make his life be about taking care of hers because Casanova believes, well, that's the way you get a woman to want to have sex with you or to want to marry you or to want to be close to you. See? But that was not my authentic self. That was what I was doing all of that out of fear. I was afraid that if I wasn't Casanova, I would never get a woman to want to be with me. So it was all coming from fear. Now it causes drama because on a deep level, I don't want to make my life be about taking care of some woman. I have needs. I have wants. Uh, so this idea of dismissing myself and making it making my life be about hers is not sustainable once you become an adult. And you will also attract a partner who needs your persona, right? When I'm this Roy the Rescuer, this Casanova, then I attract women who are damsels in distress, women who need to be rescued, women who need, you know, whose lives are just overwhelming and busy and complicated and big career and and single mom and they're overwhelmed with it. Well, I'm the perfect boyfriend for that woman because I'll make my life be about taking care of yours. All you got to do is have sex with me. Right? So it creates codependency. A relationship persona will attract a reciprocal persona in someone else because a woman is a damsel in distress. That's a persona in her. That's a fear-based way of being. Chances are when she was little, she felt safer when or felt more love when she was in a place of, of weakness and overwhelm and maybe people came around and gave her more attention when she felt that way and she learned, wow, I get much more attention and love and, and compassion and connection when I'm kind of falling apart and I'm overwhelmed and i got so much going on. And so a persona forms in her. So personas have attraction. So her fear, fear-based fear way of being is attracted to my fear-based way of being. They fit together. They serve each other. The rescuer and the damsel go together. They can't exist without each other. A rescuer needs someone to rescue. A damsel needs someone to rescue her. Now there are bunches of of relationship personas. And I'm going to tell you about nine of them right now. Okay. I want to walk you through 
uh, nine of the most common relationship personas. And I'm betting that one of these is going to nail you. (laughs) One of these is going to jump off the, uh, not off the page because you're listening. Um, They'll jump off your earbuds (laughs) and you'll say, "Woo, that one's me. And again, the whole purpose of this is discovering your fear-based way of being that leads to drama and disconnection so that you can release that and go underneath it and find your authentic self, which is the place from which you can connect in a healthy, sustainable way. But it starts by identifying your fear-based way of relating. And you do have one because you have that underlying fear of being separate and alone and left to fend for yourself. That fear, again, is so powerful that your life has been about compensating for it, covering it, curing it, alleviating that fear. And the best way to do it is to become a certain kind of person that you believe will get you connected, get you loved, get you feeling safe. All right? So let me walk you through nine of them. And I'm going to give you sort of the action that the persona does, like it's kind of the way it functions. And I'm going to try to give you a, a nice nickname, make it playful, maybe a little way to uh, further help you understand it. And then I'm going to tell you kind of uh, the way that existential structural fear shows up in you. Okay. So if that's confusing, hold on a second. You'll, you'll see what I mean in a minute. So the first one, I would call the critic. The first persona name is is you being like Roger Ebert or Gene Siskel. Now, if you're young, you might not know who those guys are. They're probably the two most famous movie critics of all time. And all they did for a living was watch movies and criticize them. (laughs) Pick them apart. Sometimes they loved movies and they praised them. But they're movie critics. That's, that's, they're not movie praisers. They're called movie critics. And so they just go around looking for flaws. they looking for what's not right, looking for what's wrong, and pointing that out. Oh, that acting wasn't very good. That directing wasn't very good. This movie is not very good. So they're the critic. Is that you? Is that your relationship persona? That you're critical, that you're judgmental, maybe a little harsh, demanding, perfectionistic. Do you see how being that kind of person, that kind of persona, would sabotage your love life? I mean, who wants to be in a relationship with Roger frickin' Ebert, where every moment of every day, You're walking around pointing out people's flaws and how they should change, how how they could do it better, be better, be more successful, be prettier, be, I mean, smarter, be wealthier. Who wants to relate with a person who does that? Now, the reason you become the critic is because your fear is feeling flawed. There's something in you, you feel not right. Deep down, that deep fear 
shows up in you as a feeling of being flawed, that there's something wrong with you. And then you just project that. You go through life trying to fix yourself, trying to be perfect, trying to be right, to follow the rules, to be be good. And, and then you have a tendency to project that out there and to be critical and harsh and demanding because you are that way with yourself. You hold yourself to really high standards and you expect other people to live up to those standards. And so you walk around as Roger Ebert. Is that your persona? The critic? The second one I would call is the rescuer. The rescuer. Are you Mother Teresa? <laughs> or Florence Nightingale? Right? The, the, those images are people that rescued suffering people and they, they wanted to heal them. They wanted to fix them. I might even call this one the mechanic. You're going to fix problems. Fix people. Are you a rescuer? Are you overly caregiving? Are you nurturing to a fault? Are you everybody's mother? Right? Th- this personality type is the quintessential uh, mother who's in everyone's business and is always trying to fix and sort of offer advice and and uh, nurture and help and so forth. So I call the rescuer kind of Mother Teresa. Now, what's the fear here? The underlying fear of the rescuer is that they feel unloved. That That existential structural fear shows up as I'm not loved. Well, what's the best way to get love? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to devote my life to being there for you and rescuing you and and being generous with my time and my energy or my money. And I'm going to give and give and give and give. And I'm going to give so much that you can't help but love me because I'm so giving. So the rescuer is someone who doesn't feel loved And they become a rescuer as the strategy to get love. There's kind of a manipulation going on here. Yes, I'm giving, but I'm giving to get something in return. Because I don't feel loved myself. And so if I function as Mother Teresa, if I'm there, you know, healing and caring and giving and serving and... You know, I'll drop whatever I'm doing to come over and help you and rescuing. Then maybe you'll love me. Maybe I'll feel wanted, valuable, loved. Is this you? Are you a rescuer? Motivated by feeling unloved? The third one I would call is the chameleon. This one actually is mine. I I sometimes call myself Roy the Rescuer and Casanova. But when you look closely at it, my relationship persona is a chameleon. Uh, And the nickname I would give it, because chameleon is a nickname for an animal. It changes its colors depending on the environment to feel safe and fit in and 
sort of be successful, you could say. Um, but the nickname is, the, this is the quintessential politician, right? What do, what do most politicians do? They want votes. They want people to like them. So the politician will talk to one group of people and they will know, who do you need me to be? What do you want me to say? What do you want to hear? I'll tell you what you want to hear. I'll become the politician that you want me to be because I want to get your vote. And then they could go talk to another group the same day that might have very different political viewpoints and wants and stuff. And now all of a sudden they flip-flop and they morph into the politician that this group wants me to be because I got to get your vote. So you ever heard of politicians called flip-floppers? They want votes. I mean, not to be too cynical, but the politician will have a tendency to say whatever they need to say to whoever it is to get their vote. They know what people want. They will adapt their message and their their sort of their way to be to be successful. Now, what's the fear here? What is my fear? Because I do this. I did this with women. I mean, I, I needed the attention and affection of a woman to make me feel like a man. I, I, I needed that. And so I became the little boy that my mother needed. I knew what she needed. I knew what would get attention and affection from her. I was a chameleon. I became that little boy. That became my style. Is that I was really good at reading what women want what qualities, what characteristics, what beliefs, what attitudes, what actions. I was, I'm really good at reading an audience. Who do you need me to be? Because I need to be successful. I need your vote. With a woman, I need your love. Same thing, right? People voting for you or a woman wanting to be with you. It's sort of, sort of the same thing. So I'm a chameleon. I will morph into it into the person I needed to be because on a deep level, that real deep fear in me shows up as a fear of failure, the fear of not being desirable, the fear of not being successful. And in relationships, I want to be successful. I want to, I want to be successful in attracting that person. So I would lose track of, of my authentic self. Who cared about my authentic self? I want her to want me, so I, I'm just going to become whatever I think she needs me to become. Oh, is she is she really into Christianity? Well, I can quote most of the Bible. Oh, is she into uh, yoga and Eastern wisdom? Oh, namaste. Right? You know, so the problem that I've always had in relationships is getting beyond the fear and just showing up as me, authentically. Risking losing your vote. Risking losing a woman's attention and affection because she doesn't want the guy that I am. That was always so scary because I felt so alone, right? I felt so disconnected. Do you see how, how much sense it makes when I feel alone and isolated and, and separate that I'll become anyone I need to be? 
to get the attention and affection of a woman, to feel safe, to feel connected, right? So all of these things are like that. They just happen in different ways depending on your personality. So that's the third one. The fourth one I would call is the victim. This is the drama queen or the drama king, right? They they have this sense, their, their fear is that something's missing. There's this sense of, you know, I, I don't have an identity. I, 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 I'm not standing out. I, everybody else seems to have what I don't. And so this is a, a common persona of a person showing up in the world as a victim and with a kind of a melancholy, with kind of a, um, a feeling of, of envy and sadness and, and feeling disconnected and isolated. And so they, they live in kind of a, a sense of woe is me, kind of a, like everybody else has this great life and I don't. Something's missing, something's lacking. That's how the fear of disconnection shows up. I'm missing connection. I'm, I'm lacking whatever I need. You know, I just feel lost. And so it, it, it morphs into this victim way of being in the world. And who wants to relate with a drama king or a drama queen? That is very exhausting. So this person usually is someone that can get into relationships but has a hard time sustaining them because they're just overwhelming to live with, to relate with, because there's there's this ongoing drama, this ongoing, they take everything personal and they're just exhausting, okay? Is that you, the victim? So we've covered the critic, the rescuer, the chameleon, the victim, fifth, is something I would call the isolator. And the nickname I would give it is a leopard. Like your spirit animal would be a leopard. Uh, a leopard is a big cat, but they they live an isolated life. They hunt by themselves. They live by themselves. They don't live in a tribe like lions do. You know, they're not community-based. They're, they're very isolated. They're very much loners. They're very private. They're really autonomous. So the isolator is someone who is so afraid of losing their autonomy. They're so afraid of being overwhelmed. That's the way their fear shows up. The overwhelmed that what's... Like if I get near people, if I get near i'm i'm going to get overwhelmed i'm going to i'm i'm going to be taxed i'm going to be asked to give things that i feel like i don't have enough to give relationships are going to require too much of my time my energy my resources my space my emotional energy and i only have so much i i have very limited amount of resources here and so this type of person is living with that fear that they don't have enough to survive and they feel kind of overwhelmed 
And so they, this persona of being the isolator, um, the loner, takes place to protect them from what they believe life and relationships are going to require of them. So the isolator usually has trouble not sustaining a relationship. They have trouble getting into one because there's a fundamental fear that if I get into a relationship, it's really going to cost me. It's going to cost me my autonomy, my privacy. It's going to ask me to give beyond what I'm able or wanting to give. And all of this is just based on the, the fear that I'm alone and separate and I don't have enough. I, I, I got to, whatever I have, I have to, I have to protect it and secure it and hoard it so that I can make it. Does, does that, is that you? Are you a person who isolates and sort of is withdrawn has difficulty engaging, has difficulty opening up, difficulty letting someone in. And do you sense the fear if I let them in, they're going to take my autonomy. They're going to, you know, they're, they're like Russia going into Ukraine. They're going to try to take over my life. This type more than any other has the fear of commitment. And it's a survival mechanism but you're in a persona because it's just not true that you don't have enough. You have plenty, <laughs> plenty of autonomy and plenty of resources and plenty of love and right, but you're afraid you don't. So that's the fifth one, the isolator. Sixth is what I would call the doubter. I could call him doubting Thomas. Okay. Remember Doubting Thomas in the story of Jesus? He didn't believe that he had been risen from the dead until I stick my finger, you know, in the holes that the nails made in his hands and the, and the hole in his side where the spear went. And I'm not going to believe, right? So he's the doubter. But this has, the, the doubter, this persona is more driven by just fear itself. So I call him the scaredy cat. And and the fear is anxiety. If you're this persona, you feel a lot of anxiety in your life. You, you doubt yourself, your abilities. You doubt that life can sustain you. So you live with a sense of insecurity. Like, I'm not safe. You doubt other people and their motives. You can be sometimes maybe a little paranoid. Like, what are they up to? What do they want of me? So there's this anxiety, this fear, you know, and this shows up in relationships with trust issues. It's a really good chance that if you've got some severe trust issues, you doubt people's motives and what do they want? What are they looking for? You doubt yourself and your ability to handle things, to be able to take care of yourself. Um, do you see how that will sabotage you in a relationship? the anxiety and the trust issues. So are you a scaredy cat? Is, is fear like the presenting issue in your life? That fear of being separate? I think this, this type, this persona 
is the one that most mirrors that fundamental feeling of being isolated and alone and fending for yourself. And, and yet, on top of that, you have a doubt of whether life will take care of you or whether you can meet your own challenges in life. So you live with a, a, a kind of a constant state of anxiety. This is the, the persona that has that, oh my God, thing going on in your head. Oh my God, what if this happens? Oh my God, what if that happens? What about this? What about that? So it's this thing called catastrophizing. It's the what if, which is just driven by anxiety or it produces anxiety, whichever. So are you the doubter, the scaredy cat? The next one, the seventh one is I would call the seeker. The seeker, and and maybe this is the quintessential hedonist. The person just seeking pleasure, seeking adventure, seeking fun. Um, there's a fear here of boredom, fear of being bored and nothing to do. Kind of a fear of facing the pain of boredom or, or just uncomfortable feelings. And so the seeker wants to fill their schedule with all kinds of fun activities and events. Um, they, they go from one, one fun thing. They're like pleasure addicts. They're always seeking the next thing, the, the more fun thing. The, they're always living in the future and they're planning. And I think FOMO really shows up in this persona. Do you have a fear of missing out? See the connection between seeking and the fear of missing out? There's this thought, you know, what FOMO is, is like there always could be something better, something more fun, more exciting. So I don't want to commit to something because something better might come along. I don't want to close myself off. I want to keep my options open because there's this thought that right here, right now, this isn't it. This is boring. This is ordinary. This is, eh, it's okay. But over there is way better than here. If I get there, that is going to be great as compared to here. And so this type is a little bit like the dog at the dog track chasing that rabbit. It's always like, if I can catch that rabbit, then I'm going to be happy. And I'll chase it and chase it and chase it. And you can never chase it. Because if you notice, Seeker, that whenever you get to the place you thought was going to be it, that becomes boring. That becomes, oh, well, okay, this is okay, but now I now you got to move the goalpost. Now you got to, well, I got to seek something else. I got to get more, more, seek, seek, chase, chase. And the chasing is chasing pleasure, chasing freedom, chasing excitement. And so the underlying fear is of, of, of pain or boredom. Now, can you imagine being in a relationship with a seeker? It's like, how do you keep up with them? Right? They're, they're always living in a place of dissatisfaction with what's here now. And they're off in their heads dreaming of some future and chasing pleasure. And this type has real trouble with commitment. Okay? Not the fear like a, 
like the isolator was afraid of commitment that it's going to ask too much of me and it's going to take my autonomy. But what if I meet someone better? Oh yeah, you're okay. You're cute. You're nice. But I don't want to make a commitment. I don't want to close myself off because, man, the fear of missing out. Maybe the next person I'm going to be better. So this type really has difficult difficulty sustaining a relationship because they get lost in there's got to be more. There could be more. Something could be better. And they could be exhausting to relate with just on a personal level because their schedules are so full and packed and they're going here and doing this. And it's like, gee, can we stay home and watch a movie? Can we just stay home and do nothing? You know, these people are very active and and seeking pleasure and activity. So is that you? Are you a seeker? The eighth one, I would call the control freak. Now on one level, if you've got an ego, you're a control freak and you do have an ego. So we're all control freaks, except for this persona is like, you know, the ultimate control freak, (laughs) like on steroids. Um, And the nickname I would give this is like the dictator. You know, like Putin um, or some other, you know, corporate CEO type or, you know, dictator in the world that they have to control everything, what you can say, what you can't say. They just want to, they want to, they're all about power and control and they want to dominate and they want to be the boss, right? Um, And so what's, what's their fear? Their fear is actually the fear of being weak. They fear weakness. They fear because that existential fear of being alone and left to fend for themselves. Like I'm by myself and I feel small and I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. Therefore, I'm going to put on a persona of toughness. I'm in control. I'm big. I'm powerful. I'm in charge, I'm bossy, I'm domineering. Now, you can see what it would be like to relate with someone who is a control freak, who is dominant, but yet who is denying their fear of being weak. They're denying the the softer part of themselves, the, the vulnerable part of themselves, the authentic part of themselves. They're, they're in a persona. They're in this false way of being because they're so scared of being overpowered that they become a dictator. These people are very difficult to relate with. So, is that you? Has anybody ever told you that you're a control freak? That you're kind of a dictator? That you're bossy? that it's your way or the highway, that you got to be in charge of everything. I bet somebody has, if this is your, if this is your thing. And then the last one is what I would call the merger. I could call him the peacemaker, but, and the nickname would be like the mediator. You know what a mediator is? You know, you got two people that are having problems and uh, let me step in the middle here and try to make peace. Let me get you guys together. Let me create harmony. Okay, so the merger is the one that wants to merge everyone together into harmony and 
they, their fear is, is, is the fundamental fear of being separate and sort of isolated. So, so because they feel separate, they want to merge with others. So this is the type that goes along to get along, that sort of forgets themselves because to assert my individuality or my own thoughts, my own wants might create a division or a separateness with other people. And that is too scary. So I will forget myself. I will dismiss myself and just merge. And what do you guys want to do? What do you want? Right. And they just want to make peace. They're, they're sort of addicted to comfort. I want to feel comfortable. I want everybody else to feel comfortable. So I'm going to make peace. I'm going to try to smooth it over. Okay. The merger is terrified of confrontation and anger and conflict because that does the opposite, they think, of merging. That creates disconnection, disharmony. And that's their deepest fear is to be separated, to, to be disconnected. So are you a merger? Are you a peacemaker? Are you the mediator? Do you find yourself? I would say very often this type is a middle child in a family. <laughs> or in your family of origin, there was a lot of drama and you took on the role of trying to kind of hold the family together, <laughs> right? Um, my wife is a merger. She grew up in a family where she she had an she was a middle child. She had an older sister that had a lot of health issues. Took a lot of the a lot of angst and a lot of scary stuff. Her, her sister had heart issues her entire life, and her younger sister was uh, a, a person with a much bigger, boisterous kind of personality that took up a lot of energy in the room, and there was a lot of conflict. And so my wife was this little quiet little mediator in the middle, and just tried to be nice and, and, and not be a bother and kind of hold it all together. And she grew up and became a therapist. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> she made a career out of creating harmony, right? So that's something, that's an important point. There are some benefits to all of these personas. There's a benefit to being a critic. I mean, you want to make things right. You stand for high values, Right, so every one of these has got a blessing, but these things, are, these are your blind spots. These are the things that are sabotaging your love life. Okay, so you got to identify what's what's mine, and then you you have to do the work on letting go of that persona and finding who am I when I'm not scared. That's the question. When I'm scared, I become a critic or a rescuer or a chameleon or a victim or an isolator or a doubter, a seeker, a control freak or a merger. When I'm scared, when I feel that existential separateness, that I'm a separate self in the world, I take on these personas to try to survive, to succeed, to feel secure. Okay? But they don't work. They cause drama and they cause disconnection. So you have to identify what that is and then do the work of kind of transcending that persona and going underneath it and finding who, who is my authentic self. Because once you begin to move in the world from that place rather than from the persona is when you start to create authentic, 
healthy connections. And then do I need to say that this is what I do as a coach? And I can do it as a coach and I can help you transcend your persona because I've done it myself. Not because you don't learn this stuff in college when you get a degree in psychology. You don't they don't they don't teach you this stuff. And they teach you about PTSD and self mutilation and clinical depression and anxiety. My wife would be the first one to tell you because um, she's a licensed clinical therapist and social worker. She didn't get trained in this stuff. She got trained in those other things, which are awesome. I don't know how to deal with any of that crap. But this is what's sabotaging your love life. And because I've worked through it myself and been doing this for 15 or 20 years now with other people, I can assist you. Because it's very difficult to find your authentic self when you're in the persona. It, it, because it, it really is who you think you are. I mean, as a chameleon, I just thought I was a really nice guy that was able to adapt and meet a woman's needs. I didn't really recognize it. It was a fear-based thing. I needed a coach to help point this out to me and help me dig around. Now, I remember telling my coach, maybe I've shared this someplace else on a podcast, when I discovered my chameleon politician type of persona, I remember telling her, like, I don't even know who I would be if I didn't do that. And at that moment, she said, Roy, welcome to the path. You have finally started your spiritual journey. When you recognize, yeah, of course you don't know who you'd be. You've been being the the chameleon since you were probably four years old to survive in your childhood and and to get love and feel secure. You've totally lost track of your authentic self. But we can... We can resurrect it. We can find it. It's there. It's just buried underneath all of your persona nonsense and all your fear. So the question is, who would I be if I wasn't scared? If I can help you with this, reach out to me, Roy at coachingwithroy.com or 407-687-3387. So until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.